1: You know what? This week we're launching my third book with co-author Brian Brown and it's all about what's your next move. The book is called Move, 4 Question Go-To-Market Framework. You're going to love this especially if you want to drive your business forward and guess what? As a podcast listener, if you DM me right now, this is only for this week, you can buy the book for 99 cents, literally 99 cents. It's only available for this week for that price and you put a review for the book i'll send you a signed copy of my book so dm me when you buy the book and review the book on amazon and i'll send you a signed copy of the book you should check out the endorsements that we have already on the book from brian halligan who's the ceo of hubspot to jeffrey moore who wrote crossing the chasm calling it the next book that marketers and executives should read so you're gonna love this i hope you enjoy it I look forward to hearing from you. DM me on LinkedIn and let me know when you buy it, review it, so I can send you a signed copy. Love you. Bye-bye. Welcome to the Flip My Funnel podcast. I'm super pumped, excited with Seth Godin. I'm reading his book, This Is Marketing. So if you're in marketing, and even if you're not in marketing, and you think your company needs a little marketing, this might be a really good book to pick up. And again, I don't want to introduce Seth Godin because I feel like Almost everybody on the planet knows Seth, but he has written 18 bestseller books. One of my favorite is The Permission Marketing and Purple Cow. And then obviously, this is marketing. So Seth, welcome to the Flip Math Show.
0: Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'll start with a simple fun fact for you, which is almost nobody knows who I am. And that is one of the theses of the book, is that it's very easy for us to think we live in this mass market world. But we don't. We live in a micro market world. There are six or seven billion people on earth, and fewer than four million of them know who I am, which is fine with me. <laughs> and the piece of the smallest viable audience is missed by so many people, and it causes us to do mediocre work instead of the work that we ought to be doing.
1: I agree with that. You know, the first thing we started before we started to record this, your 1998 book, Permission Marketing one of the finest books, I feel like everybody, because that's, I feel was the beginning of understanding of marketing. Do people talk about that book at all with you still?
0: Yeah, they do. You know, that book created probably $30 billion in value if you add up the companies that were built on on it. And I am totally fine that I don't get any credit because that's not why I write books. I write books to put an idea into the world. What's interesting about the book is I would say, a third of it is completely obsolete, but mm. two thirds of it is just as true as it used to be. Yeah, And that's because I was trying to talk about a concept, not a tactic. And people who understand the concept, it still sits with them, which is really, really gratifying.
1: It does. There's so many timeless books. I'm actually going back in time to read a little bit of the older books, because I feel like, again, the concepts, a lot of these concepts are timeless. And, and that brings me to this point of. You know, people listening to this podcast know flip my funnel as as an idea that I, I started off with. But then, when I was doing some research, I found out that you, as everything that I ever think about marketing, all, have already talked about it in two thousand six. As a matter of fact, January twenty nine two thousand six, you talked about this idea of flipping the funnel. Like, do you recall and what was the genesis of that that idea? Yeah, you know, it,
0: six or seven people with me built a company called Squidoo. Squidoo was the 40th biggest website in the United States. Think hmm. about that. 40th biggest one, bigger than almost every media company with only seven employees. And this was before Facebook caught on, before there was Pinterest. The idea was you could build a page about something you cared about. You could describe it to other people and they could spread the word. And, you know, we had 350,000 pages on the site. It was doing really, really well until Google changed their algorithm just for us to put us out of business. And the message was not lost on me. We have the opportunity to encourage people to find the others. It is way easier for other people to find the others than for you to find them. And the idea that we have to have a direct marketing funnel is not nearly as powerful as handing that funnel to our biggest fans and letting them turn it into a megaphone just by flipping it sideways. Yeah. So you can send me my royalty check anytime you want. (laughs)
1: We probably, I don't think it's going to be as much as anything. It's going to not make a dent for you. I love this. Now, when I think about, and I took a bunch of notes in in this book, this is marketing. And one of the thing that I wanted to get your thoughts on was this idea of positioning as a service. And I've read the book positioning and, you know, I feel like positioning is so important because if you don't position yourself, somebody else is going to position you. and, And then it's really hard to get out of it. What do you mean by that that idea of positioning?
0: Well, Jack and Al wrote a very important book. They based it on some work that had been done before that. And positioning is this idea that we don't have room in our brain for a lot of information. And if you show up and say we're just like everybody else, then you're invisible. But if you can point to something that's already in my brain and find a reason for me to put you near it or against it, then you have a chance of owning your niche. That book has been read by a lot of people as You have to position yourself to grab a piece of someone's attention. And the problem with that is when everyone else is doing the same thing, you're still invisible. The alternative is to say, wait a minute, I'm trying to serve busy people. How can I help them by finding a way to solve their problem? So someone wakes up in the morning saying, I'm the kind of person that needs to live in a fancy skyscraper. Where should I go to find myself an apartment? That person already has a problem. Now, if you are like everyone else and say, We're a broker, we're a broker, we're a broker, you haven't made it easy for that person. But if you say to that person, you know what we sell? We sell penthouses in the sky. That's what we do. You've done a service for that person because they were already looking for you before you showed up. And that's why it's so important, as Zig would say, to be a meaningful specific, to yeah. stand for something, not to say, oh, what do you want? I can
1: do that. I love that. And you have said this in the book, I think several times stand for something. And I feel like in marketing, a lot of times, I think people are trying to just copy other people and say, we want to have something like this. Now, I had the the good fortune to work at Salesforce for a couple of years after the last acquisition. And I remember that Mark Benioff has always been about, let's just go, in your words, create a ruckus, right? Like just create something that has never been done before. And that's why they stand out. And then a lot of companies say, we want to do what Salesforce did. Right. It's too late. It's
0: too late. We already have a Salesforce. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what do you say to those people who are struggling with to stand for something? Like, you know, what is, if they don't stand for something, what's the, you know, what will the consequences of that?
0: Well, if you're okay with where you are, then you should stay there if you're frustrated, it might be because you're hiding. And the way you're expressing your fear is by being generic, by being invisible, by being blameless. So you can't get in trouble. Well, the alternative is if you want the juice and the energy that comes from making change happen, because that's all marketing is, is making change happen. The price of that is you have to stand for something. And, you know, at the beginning of the, of our Chat. You point out that this is a a fine book for people who need marketing help. And my point is, everything that involves making change is marketing. If you want to change another person, like if you want to change metal, then you're welding. But if you want to change another person, you're marketing. And I'm astonished at how bad people are. If people were that bad at accounting, we'd (laughs) all be Enron, right? If people were so. Fortunately, engineers are really good at engineering, but marketers aren't that good at marketing.
1: And why is that? Like, why are marketers able to get away with it?
0: Well, part of the reason is that engineering is science. There's a truth. There is a best way to build a bridge. Marketing is always slippery, because as soon as you find the best way to market something, it's now obsolete, because that way has been done before. Right. We're always on this slippery treadmill of there has to be a different way to tell the story of new, because if you tell the story of new the old way, it's not new anymore. Right. And that's why I love it. But what? I'm appalled by our marketers who think that just because they have money, they are entitled to attention. Yeah. And I am appalled by the marketers who want to race to the bottom by making things worse or cheaper or hiding behind X, Y, or Z. We can
1: do better than that. I, I agree. I agree. One of the things you say, I, I love your acknowledgements. And it's funny, Like I don't know how many people read it, but I always love to read You know, who do people think and what do they really, like, I think it tells a lot about somebody when you read their acknowledgement. And one of the things you had in your acknowledgement was that you literally said, all I do is borrow ideas. That was your opening statement. Now, people who probably don't know you might look at that, how, like, you know, this guy doesn't have original ideas, which obviously you do. Uh, It would do in the sense you're improving on it. But dive in it. Like, why did you say that? Because I think there was a lot of thought behind that.
0: Yeah, I, I have original combinations. I don't have original ideas. I can't remember the last time I met someone who had an original idea. Kevin Kelly, one of the smartest people I know, will tell you that he works in combinations. He just had a post today recurring, recalling a post he wrote seven years ago and predicting solar paneled zeppelins in the sky. Well, solar panel isn't original. He didn't invent that. Zeppelins isn't original. He didn't invent that. He just combined them. And so that act of finding things in the culture that stand for something, that work, that are basic human principles and combining them. Yeah. Right. So when the Internet came along, I was one of the first people on it. I had my first email address in 1976 when I was 16 and started my first Internet company in 1988 or so, 89. And once I saw that email was starting to take off, I said, wait a minute. It's like direct mail, except the stamps are free. So mm-hmm. what will that do? That's going to lead to spam. That's going to lead to noise. So where do we go with that? And that's where permission marketing came from. But permission marketing isn't a brand new concept that you should yeah. talk to people who want to be talked to. Permission marketing is simply a combination of what happens when free interaction on the internet meets human beings' desire to maintain their attention, make mm-hmm. a new combination.
1: Yeah, I love that. You know, that's am thinking about permission marketing is GDPR. Everybody talks about it as a new thing. I, uh, as soon as GDPR came out, I said, well, that's actually permission marketing. You, you need to have permission from right. people to connect with them. But now it's like the law, like 20 years after, I think, you wrote your first book. So that gave me a kick, for sure. Uh, so you talk about this idea of marketing in five steps. Now, when somebody talks about marketing in five steps, I think as a marketer, I feel like it's a lot harder than five steps and to emulate. But when I read it, I felt like it was more of a framework.
0: Why don't you talk us through it? Because I, I don't memorize anything I write.
1: All right. So the five steps, as you said, was invent. In many ways, I feel like you're saying that you need to, you need to stand for something in some way. The second was design and build, which means now this is where what, what people care about at the end of the day, so you get in the heart of it. Tell a story, which hopefully every marketer is excited about because I think that's what gets me going and that's what moves people. So tell a story. The third one, the fourth one is spread the word. Right. That's what communities are all about. And then show up regularly and consistently. Those, were, those are the five right. things. And the, and the key for that list is
0: people think that marketers only do the spread the word part. And when things aren't going well, they focus more energy and time on spreading the word. And the reason you don't see a new Oldsmobile driving down the street is not because the Oldsmobile dealers were bad at spreading the word. Oldsmobile disappeared because they didn't get the first two steps right. Because yeah. they didn 't understand how to make a car people wanted to buy they didn 't understand that once they did that, they should tell a story about it that resonated with us that the phrase it 's not your father 's Oldsmobile was insanely stupid because the only people who were buying it was because it was their father 's Oldsmobile, so they completely got the story backwards right. and they refused to design something that people wanted instead yeah. they wasted all their the, the typical car company spends more than $1,000 per car in Mm. advertising, right? Think about that. There's no excuse for that. They need to instead build a car that markets itself because the work you put into building it, then as you're driving it down the street, people see it, they ask about it, conversation takes place. So it sounds like I'm talking about the most successful luxury car in America. I am because you've never seen a Tesla TV commercial. I haven't. Yeah, Tesla doesn't spend $1,000 a car advertising. They instead spent $1,000 a car designing a car people wanted to talk about. That's marketing.
1: I love that. You know, this, this also reminds me, I recently interviewed Brian Halligan, uh, yeah. the co founder of HubSpot. And I know you've spoken in Inbound as, as a keynote, probably more than once, but I remember once for sure. And he said, I asked him like, hey, look, if you were to start a company again, like today, how would you go about it? And I think he said that I have a feeling you, you might agree with him. He said, everybody can build products today it's, and it's easier and faster. As a matter of fact, you wrote about it in the book. You said like, like building is now getting easier and easier than ever before. So we have to work harder at standing out. But then he said, it actually matters more now. What is your go-to-market strategy looks like? And if your go-to-market strategy needs to be better than everybody else, you need to create conversations about the problem, not about the product. The problem is where the community is. So I'm I'm curious if you agree with this idea of go-to-market strategy now more important or even at much higher importance level than just the product.
0: I'm going to politely disagree with Brian about this one. I think that there's certainly money and attention spent on go-to-market. But if I asked you, you know, what are the 10 great brands of the last decade, right? Mm -hmm. We might pick things like Airbnb or Slack or Google, go down the list. None of those companies had good go-to-market strategies, not one of them. Mm. And what happened was, you know, Slack is the most fastest growing software company in history because they built the social network ratchet right into the product. They built the story right into how you use it. They could botch their launch strategy and it would still work. Mm. And you know, if I look at Airbnb, the biggest hotel chain in the world, well, how did that happen? It happened because the people renting are on one journey, the people who are putting stuff up for rent on another journey, and both those journeys are aligned. Mm. And all they had to do was show up for those two groups of people and say, hey, meet each other. So them spending $100,000 on a new logo is stupid. The logo Mm. isn't the point. They're not trying to make average hotel rooms for average people. They're way out on a different edge. So when we look at how technology fuels changes in the culture, I don't think it's about go to market. I think it's about is there a fit, an alignment between what the best customer wants and what you have?
1: All right. Well, I'm going to go listen because I want to make sure I did not screw up his point of view. Oh, I don't think yeah. you screwed it up. Um, so when I think about the marketing
0: seminar, the workshop we run, or right. the Alt-MBA, you know, how is it that this little tiny team of mine has built a school that's bigger than Stanford Business School? How is it that we have had more than 7,500 people take the marketing seminar? It's because it worked. It's not because we have really good ad. Mm. It's because after someone engages in it, they tell the other. That's where you got to put your focus.
1: That's fantastic. All right, the last question before I'm going to wrap up and then I want you to share a challenge. One of the things that we have at Flip My Funnel is that without a community, you're simply a commodity. I like and that line, good. So that, that's something that we, when we started Flip My Funnel, it wasn't about Terminus. It was about building a community of, Here's the problem. Let's just flip the funnel, start focusing on the right accounts and, and all that process. And over a period of time, we have more than 10,000 plus people in the community, hundreds of thousands of people listening to the podcast. And, and it came, it really dawned on to me is that it really is the community that moving us forward, pushing us forward, making us better every single day. You talk about commodity stuff also in this book. I wonder how much you appreciate or you have thoughts around this idea of without a community, you're simply a commodity.
0: Well, the short version about commodity comes from Tom Peters, which is if you think you have a commodity, you do. Mm. If you act like you have a commodity, then you do. In terms of community, that's the point of tribes, the book we didn't talk about today. I don't think you have a community as much as you are narrating for a community that would exist even if you disappeared. I don't think that the 10,000 people are terminators. I think the 10,000 people are people who are aligned in a journey, in a culture, in a way of being in the world. And you are showing up saying, people like us, we do things like this. Right. And that is a key part of culture and marketing, which is we narrate for them, we lead them, but they don't belong to us.
1: Yes. I love that. All right. So took a bunch of notes. I'm going to share a couple of big ideas because there are more than that. And I'll have it in the show notes when we do it. First of all, stand for something. I really feel that you have written about this in the book. We talked about it in the positioning and all that stuff. I feel like if you're a marketer or if you're a leader in a company, the best thing you could do is stand for something because as you have said in the book, if you don't stand for something, then, then you, you might, might as well disappear in the oblivious. So, so it's really stand for something. The second part, which I really love what you said a few minutes ago, which is the role of marketing is to, to make change happen. And I feel like there's a lot of emotion to that because if you can move people to take action, do things, you actually have a ton of responsibility on it and and we should take that seriously. So love that. And then the part, the biggest part of the five steps of marketing that we talked through, I think you, you talked about the idea that most people think marketer's job is to spread the word and that's what they need to do. But I also feel based on what we just talked about is this idea of telling a good story, being a narrator out there of telling what people's views are and being the person who listens and understands it, and then show up regularly, I feel like that really matters. And the last one of all, which comes from your acknowledgments, which is that you're not coming with existing ideas. I love this idea of of having combined ideas from all the different things. So just be curious and inquisitive about what's happening around the world and try to build two and two together because that's where some of the best ideas come through. So I don't know if I did any justice to a lot of All right, so what is the one challenge you wanna share with everybody who's listening to this right now?
0: Put your name on it. Don't say you did it because your boss told you to. Don't say you did it to maximize shareholder value. This work you're doing, that email you sent, are you proud enough to put your name on it or are you just a spammer? Are you just racing to the bottom? Because each one of us has been trusted with a lot of leverage. We get to take people's attention. We get to earn people's money or trust. And if you're not prepared to put your
1: name on it, I hope you have enough guts to go do something else for a living. Love that. That's going to get some people going. Seth, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Keep making a ruckus. Good to talk to you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast.
0: To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player.